bad, bad addict. Um, every time I was able to get a loan, I was doing drugs. I've been in prison four times, twice in the state, twice in the feds. I was doing all this crazy stuff, cooking drugs and just staying high. God called me from a prison cell. I was a homeless drug addict, and my hope was found in a needle. I was eight months pregnant, homeless, um, living out of my van. You know, it wasn't freeway that saved me, it wasn't John Stroop that saved me, but God uses freeway in such a mighty way as a tool to reach these people. There's not a community or a county in America that doesn't have a drug problem. And the, the church has the answer and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to One Broken Life. My name is John Stroop with my special guest, Brad and Kim Taylor. Hi. Hello. Glad you guys are here. Thank you. One Broken Life is a production of Freeway Ministries where we explore the intimate details of people's lives. We believe the, the bigger the mess, many times the bigger the message. And uh, you guys have a very unique story. And so uh, we've had a, a good time laughing and, and joking, but um, it's very unique. And I'm proud of you both, honestly. For, for coming on and, and being a part of this. This is a really big deal. And so there are people who will be watching this podcast or listening to this podcast who uh, I believe will be surprised. Um, many people will be surprised. Many people will identify with your story. And so like unlike many people who have come on our podcast, uh, you know, their brokenness led them to uh, faith in Christ and they come from institutions, prisons, and stuff like that. But you guys have a very different story, um, similar but different. And uh, a couple things that we, a couple scriptures that we use that really kind of like theme verses for the podcast. Um, Psalm fifty-one seventeen, it says, The sacrifices of God are a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And it says that God won't despise a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And so basically, and I'm just a little paraphrase, but basically what that means is that brokenness is a beautiful thing. And when you come to that place of brokenness, uh, that's when God begins to really work. Right. <clears throat> and then Philippians 1.12 is another verse we like to kind of hold on to here. And Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 says, um, Paul says, Brethren, I want you to know the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And so I just want to encourage you guys with those two verses uh, before we move forward. And so I just want to introduce you. Um, Brad, and, Brad and Kim uh, have a very unique place in my life and uh, in my family's life. And you have a very unique story. Um, and I'm not really going to go, I'm not going to steal your, steal your thunder today. I'm going to let you guys talk a little bit about this. But, uh, but Kim had called me through the website, through the phone number for help. Uh, because her husband was um, using drugs, and uh, and so the first time the first time Kim talk, called me, I gave her some advice, and she she's like, "Heck no, I'm not doing that." And so I didn't know your name was Kim. Right. Uh, I had no <laughs> idea who you were. I didn't want you to know, and uh, I didn't ask your right. name. And so uh, I knew you weren't ready yet. And so then you called me back, and 
and I and I walked you through some tough times yes. on the phone. And this is no glory to me, uh, because we didn't have a whole lot of interaction. I, I gave you a number of a woman uh, mm-hmm. who could walk through stuff with you, right. and um, but but through this, <laughs> through all this, all hell broke loose in your life. Yes. Um, and this was a big surprise, because. Brad was a school board guy, deacon at a church, right? Yes. And um, and the whole time, Brad Brad had a hidden addiction, yes. and no one knew about it. Right. And you have a uh, you're you're you know Brad. I know Brad very well now, but I didn't then. And um, you know it was embarrassing to the fa- oh, to you, very. and you were helping him yes. hide it very much. And and so, but through everything, God has restored your life and restored your family, and you have a wonderful testimony. And I know it's hard to share. This is really the first time you guys have publicly shared yes. this, and so uh, so let's let's that's it. That's kind of the this is the context of the podcast today. And so I just kind of want to give everyone listening an idea of where we're going. Okay. Um, and so, <clears throat> Kim, I'll ask you this question: Can you tell me uh, when 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 before you guys got help, before Brad got help, um, and everything? crashed mm-hmm. you know your picture perfect life fell apart right um what did it look like from the outside to people who knew you your family your life well um i wanted everyone to think we had a perfect life and we really had a good life i mean we were very much in love for our through our whole marriage um but from the outside it looked like you know we went to church three times a week we never missed church we never missed anything to do with that um our kids were good. Uh, everyone in town, you know, thought we had good kids. I was very proud of that. I had a lot of pride in my life. And um, they just didn't know what was going on on the inside. I was hiding every bit of it. Okay. What would you say, Brad, from the outside looking in? Like, what did your guys' life look like to everybody well, around you? Um, I was actually counterfeit, so I tried to make it look as good as possible, you know, but... Um, I don't know, towards the end, of course, it probably didn't look that great. So so you guys were uh, small town USA. Uh, yes. You were very involved in the community. Yes. Like, what did you do? Well, like I say, I was on a school board. I uh, ran a business there for years. Uh, we were involved in sport. Uh, went all the sporting events and, you know, okay. basic so small town stuff. It, you deacon of the church? Yeah. So you were a deacon. You were on the school board. You yeah. got to get voted to be on the school board, right? right. So two you were terms. voted in by the community. Two two terms, yeah. To be on the school board, yeah. and you had a hidden addiction the whole time. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And so, that's a unique story. Like you don't hear that every day, because a lot of people hide it. Yeah, it's probably more common than you think. And that's my whole purpose. That's for me, not my whole purpose, but one of the things that I really want people. Why I've asked you guys to share your story is because there's other people out there that need to to hear this, especially at the end of how God turns everything around so they can have hope. And so that's exciting. So, Kim, <clears throat> tell us about what led you to make the first phone call through Freeway Ministries uh, to get your husband help. Well, I literally just couldn't take it anymore. I just did not know what to do. Now, are you talking about, like, the... The first, the first time, time you called and, and I and I told yeah, you. Yeah, I was just kind of I was just kind of putting my <clears throat> feet in the water, just scared. I was still very much afraid to tell anyone for fear it would get out, because really what I thought would happen was that I could just love him enough 
and pray enough and this would stop and then no one would have to know. So that's what I was doing. I was just calling thinking maybe I could get a little help. I was looking all over the internet for different places I could, you know, get away to maybe and talk to somebody and, and freeway just, you know, there it was. Okay. So that's how you find it. Just a search on the internet. Yeah. uh, Our son had told us about, because, I mean, he goes to church with uh, with you, and so he had told us about the ministry, and all the time I'm thinking, oh boy, you know, I, I could never call them, because that's too close to home, that that way maybe he would find out, or I didn't want to embarrass him. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> and so, uh, did you think you had everything under control, Brad? Yeah, I did, actually, yeah. I mean, you obviously think that when you're, I wasn't thinking right anyway, so, yeah. So you thought, well... My wife's never yeah. going to tell on me. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm doing. I, got I carried it. it away for a long time, so I thought I'd get away. I made it easy for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, before we get into, uh, well, let's do this first, Kim. Uh, I want to ask you first, and then I'll ask you this, Brad. Same thing, um, Kim. What? Because here's the thing: you're an enabler. Yes. Okay, and so. Uh, you needed help too. I did. I didn't know I was an enabler. I didn't even know what that was. And so what brought you in your enabling, Brad, basically hiding it, keeping it, you know, you think I'm loving my husband. Right. I'm protecting him. I'm right. being faithful to him. Uh, I'm, I'm being loyal to him. I'm doing what God's called me to do. I don't want my, my banker son. I don't want my nonprofit son. I don't want my doctor daughter, whatever, uh, uh, to to know because it would hurt my mm-hmm. su- my husband so much, and so I'm protecting him. And so, what brought you to the place of brokenness where you finally stopped covering for him and you were like, "That's it." Well, I was really trying to um, seek the Lord on uh, what to do, and I figured, you know, I'm such a liar, and there's so much pride in my life. You know, I'm lying to cover up for him. I'm just, I mean, I didn't really think of it as lying. But when, it, when I really got alone with the Lord about it, you get, began to convict me that, yeah, I'm lying, and I've got a lot of pride in my heart. And I think what really, you know, I had to reach my bottom, too. And my bottom was I was just broken. I was scared. I, I, knew, I just knew it couldn't go on. It was, it was escalating to be that bad. Okay. Um, you know, he never laid a hand on me or anything, but it was very scary. So, uh, <clears throat> obviously, Brad's not that person today. No, um, no. But can you just give us an idea of what that looked like? Like it, uh, you know, what I remember the phone call about, you know, finding drugs and you and he would, yeah. you know, he would tell you it's this and that, you know. Yeah, I didn't know. I was really naive. I did not know when I actually, for years and years, he had been um, on Oxy and um so that was bad, and I didn't like it, and I was, you know, I was always looking for drugs, and I was flushing them down the toilet or throwing them away. And um, But I think, you know, when I found those little crystals in his wallet in a little baggie, um, and that just, that's a unique story, but I don't have time to go into it, but it was just like, I know that the Lord led me to, to look there. And when I found them, I asked him what they were, and I thought they were like rocks from fantastic caverns hmm. and um is that what he told you well that, no it's just what i thought it because it was a little powdered i thought it was just residue from the rocks that we had bought for the kids or something and 
So when I when I got just a pair of minutes to look on the internet, this was just like within a matter of minutes, I found that it was meth, and um, I was literally devastated. There's just no, there are no words for how I felt and how scared and just alone. And again, I wasn't going to tell anybody, so I was alone in it. And I think the desperation came when it was just too scary. You know, when the person you love is not even in that body anymore and something else has overtaken it, it it was just the scariest thing ever for me. I tell people all the time when someone you love is on drugs that... You have to you have to you have to address the drugs, not the person. Mm-hmm. So, for Brad, Brad wasn't there. No, he wasn't. You had to you had to realize you were dealing with meth, you know, in a, in a meth addiction. Mm-hmm. Jesus never spoke to, de- to to people who were possessed by demons. He spoke to demons. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't say uh, Susan. I'm going to talk to them. He would say demon. And uh, <clears throat> when the drug has a hold of somebody and someone is addicted to drugs, at that point, and I call it act of addiction active addiction when they're in active addiction you can't you can't deal with that person's not there you can't so, reason with them so you have to deal with the meth until that person comes to a place where they get help and so um so brad what so you call the phone mm-hmm. and you finally have enough to do whatever it takes mm-hmm. and so that was your place so tell us brad um what was your what was your what was the what brought you to your place of brokenness well, uh, you mean, I guess I don't understand the question. So everybody has a broken place. Yeah. So hers was, okay, that's it. Like, it's getting too scary. Uh, it's There's too much going I don't. I got to expose this thing. And so for you, when you finally realized you didn't have everything under control and right. your life was unmanageable and your life was falling apart, like, what what was the... What brought you to that that point well, where you said, okay, I'm, that's it. I'll do whatever it takes. Let's say you take a chalkboard and write up everything I had accumulated for 57 years, you know, like my house, farm, cattle, um, and it all gets erased away in like 24 hours, you know, assets shut down, you know. Wife gone. Wife gone, family, can't see them, can't call them. Yeah, it's... That was it. Yeah, I mean, okay, that, that'll change that your life. That was the beginning of it. Yeah, that's the beginning of the brokenness. So every, every, I hadn't hit bottom yet, though. Yeah, right. that was just enough to get you real mad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I know where we're going with this. So, <laughs> so let's let's talk through that second phone call, Cam, because mm-hmm. um, I remember it. I can take you right where I was when you called I me. I can too. <laughs> and uh, I was in the Jim Corbett's law firm. I uh, had an office there. It was before we had the building and all that. And uh, and you called, and it was you, it was the same woman who called before and wasn't ready. And I remember you were upset. You were crying. And uh, my advice was something like this. Um, get a hold of everybody that loves Brad. I didn't know Brad. Him. Love your husband. Everybody who loves him and won't gossip about him. And, uh, and the people he does not want to know. And then, um, well, you said expose him to your kids. You said the addict fears exposure more than anything. And um, I told you that I was afraid he would kill himself. And you told me, I remember you said, sister, he might, but he's probably just threatening that. And 
if he does, it's not your fault. Well, that didn't make me feel very <laughs> comforted or anything, but what the behind the scenes was that I had been fasting and praying and seeking God for five days prior to that. And um, I told him, God, I will do whatever you tell me to do. You just show me what to do. I don't know what it looks like, but I promise you I'll do it. And so whenever you told me, within 30 minutes, I was gone. You said, get out of the house. And that's exactly what I did. And I remember talking to you on the phone as you walked out <laughs> and you were crying. Mm -hmm. And and I remember saying, are you walking? You said, I'm walking. Mm -hmm. You got your stuff? I got my stuff. Get to the car. I'll stay on the phone. Yeah. And you get to the car and you drive. And, and so you drive to a hotel and, and then... Um, no, I actually went to our sons. Okay, you yeah. went to your sons. He was out of town. And then, so, everybody meets you there? No, no. Um, I was by myself for that okay. night, yeah. And and that was a lot of phone calls back and forth and me blocking him because that was what you guys were telling me to do. Everything you guys told me to do, I just, I had already told the Lord I would. And so everything you told me to do, every step of the way, I just did it. So you basically told your husband of how many years? Were you married? Well, 30, 35, I think, 30, I don't know, 37, I think at the time, yes. So 30, 35, 37 years, um, you you said, I'm leaving you. I didn't tell him. No, I was scared to but tell him. But you called him and blocked yeah. him? How did no, that work? How did so he find I, out? So I called my son, which you told me. You said, call, call all of your kids and tell them. And so I did. And then our son called him and told him, Mom, Mom's gone. Yeah. And, and I had already told him. And... He said, I'm glad to know that it's that it's an addiction because he said, I thought he was losing his mind. So he was happy to hear that because he felt hopeful instead of, oh, dad's just gone crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so so you, you leave. Mm -hmm. So what happens next, Brad? I come home, and there's a pot of, chili, a pot of stew on there cooking, and, and she's gone. Uh I think I start calling around, get a hold of Brandon, or Brandon calls me. I, I got married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I finally got out of him about you, and got your number. <laughs> yeah, thanks John a lot. Said, don't, John said, "Don't tell your husband. I told you to get out of there. I don't want to shoot him, but I will if he comes to the house. So <laughs> Protect I my family." John, tell him very nicely. I didn't appreciate. <laughs> And I have my wife leave, mm -hmm. and uh, then what? I don't remember now. So, I get a phone call from Brad, huh. who I didn't know. Right. And I want to know how come you told my wife for thirty something <laughs> years to leave me, mm -hmm. and I said, uh, "Well, I don't know who you are, <laughs> and I don't know who your wife is, but you were kicking the bedroom door open with a loaded gun, looking for people at three a.m." high on meth, you're dangerous to her, and she should leave you, and you need help. And a matter of fact, I'm a mandated reporter, so if you tell me your name, I'll have to go ahead and report you to the police. And that was it. So mm -hmm. it was a, oh, it's okay, no worries. <laughs> and so she, she's exaggerating, that you know. And then um, it, got, it got hot and heavy from there. Mm -hmm. uh, for What people don't know is uh, Brad is a really – good family man and loves his grandkids and his kids dearly and he did then he does now which was the reason it was such a shock to brandon your son is because um because he was 
he just couldn't, you know, it was a big, big shock. And so, so then me and, me and Brandon developed a strong relationship through this. And so we worked together and just kind of talked yeah. through stuff. And, and I remember, uh, it just kept getting more and more and more hot and hairy. And, mm -hmm. and so, uh, so this is around Christmas time. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And, uh, so Brad, you were you were cut off from your grandkids. Yeah, from Can his you whole just family. Yeah. Talk about that Christmas. Uh, well, I I think I was uh, in the I was. No, you had, you were well, at, at Christmas, but he did yeah. a ninety. They did a ninety six hour hold that Brandon arranged. So before we get into the ninety six hour hold, because I'm gonna mention that, but uh, just I know it's gonna be difficult to talk about Brad, but. What did your family do to you? Like, how did they shut you down? How did they bring? Because because that brought you to your place of brokenness. Yeah. And so, can you just tell our friends who are listening? Because there may be a family member, there may be a mom, a wife, a husband, who's like, oh, I need to try to do that. Yeah. To my uh, loved one who's going through this. Well, that, I, I was completely cut off. I mean, I couldn't see my grandkids. Really, I what well, I couldn't reach anybody on the phone. And, you know. I was hiding from you. Yeah, I, I had no idea where she was and, you know, no way to contact her. It, it was scary. I mean, it was. And I remember Brandon calling me, uh, said you had a car full of guns and you was locked in the house. And, and so he was calling me and I was praying with him, but he was right down the driveway from your house watching yeah, you because yes, yeah. he said, I'm not going to let dad go hurt nobody. Yeah. And, uh, and he actually went against my advice and snuck down there and stole yeah. all your guns. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, he took them all. Yeah. <laughs> Still has them too, by yeah. the way. <laughs> so, uh, and my keys to my vehicles, I got to, yes. yeah. yeah. So he took your keys, took your guns. Yeah. Yeah. That was after the hold. That was during okay. the hold. That's when and, that happened. Yeah. And then yeah. he, he also, uh, so he went to the courts mm -hmm. and um, and put a 96-hour psych hold on you. Yeah. And so tell us what happened there. How, I mean, well, you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a school board member, a deacon of a church, and all of a sudden everybody knows. Yeah. Mm. And you're like, you know, yeah. you can't get to any money. Brandon called your drug dealers. Yeah. Didn't he call your drug dealers? Yeah. And told them... Uh, I'm telling the FBI, everyone, yeah. you, you know, yeah. you get my dad drugs again. And so uh, everything's shut down. Yeah. And there you are. And then did the police come and get you? How did, yeah. Okay. After yeah. a few days. It yeah, they took a while to get me. Him. Uh, yeah. I avoided them. I mean, I, they were sitting on every corner around me, you know, and I knew they was after me. So, <clears throat> yeah, they took me in, not willingly. So they drug you in, put you in a 96 hour hold, and that's when me and you met for the first yes. time. Yes. You brought so, me a book, and I still have that book. Yes. I, uh, I thought, well, this is going to be awkward, but I got to be faithful. And uh, I went to the hospital, and, uh, and I introduced myself to you. Yeah. And I said, I'm the one that told your wife to leave yeah. you. And, I, was, uh, I was broken then, wasn't I? Yeah. Yeah. You were, brother. And uh, mm -hmm. I didn't know how that visit was going to go, but it went. It went good, uh, but I don't think you were quite ready yet. Wasn't no. Ready. Oh, no. And so we we visited in the <laughs> hospital, and and um, and so. Uh, One thing that was really hard was he kept 
calling me, texting me, telling me, just have mercy on him. You know, just have mercy on me. Come home. And you guys told me just every time he says that, say, I will as soon as you get treatment. I'll yeah. come home today if you'll come and get treatment. And I just, that just kept being my thing to say. And so that's what I tell women now is like, just, you just got to say, the only thing you can say to them is I'll come home or you can come back home when you get treatment. Well, the only thing you can give to a drug addict is someone, something they can't trade for drugs and alcohol. And, and when someone is in a position like that, the only way you know they're serious is, is they'll, I like to say, uh, will you do whatever it takes? And so when you're ready to do whatever it takes, you'll say, okay, I'll do it. That's when you know. And so until Brad or Jim or Sherry or whoever uh, gets to the place where they'll do whatever it takes, they're not ready yet. And, and And even if they do whatever it takes, even if they do what you tell them to do, that doesn't necessarily mean they're ready for help. That's but true. that's a first step. Yes. It's called obedience-based discipleship, or um, it's being an investor, right? It's investing instructions and them doing what you say. And so Brad wouldn't go to treatment. No. He was just trying to hustle you into coming home because yes. that's the thing that he really wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so that's gone. So what finally brought you to the place, Brad, where you dropped your pride, where you said, fine, I'll get help, I'll go? Yeah. Tell us, how, how, did you, how did you get to that place? Well, that 96-hour hold, uh, after that, they decided it was going to be 29 more days in there. And so... Later on, I agreed to go to a treatment center, I believe it was. Was it? Burl, I think. Burl, maybe. I don't know. In-house deal. And I was there a little while, and then I left and went to my mom's house. And I think I got there in the afternoon, and by that evening, Greene County kind of got me, and I went to Greene County Jail. So, Or uh, I got in a fight with my youngest son, and... I had an assault charge, so. So everybody's mad at you, except for your mom. Yeah. Mama ain't turning her no, back on you for nothing. Never. Yeah, so you could also, <laughs> yeah, you and your yeah. son knew it, and he was mad. She still would. Everybody. But even though that's true, she did. Um, I, I begged her, don't give him any money. Do not give him any money. And, and she did it. I told her his life is at stake. If you give him money, it could kill him. So she listened. I was really yeah. proud of her because that was hard for her to do. So even mama won't give you no money. No, but nope. <laughs> no. And so you're 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 now you're in jail. Yeah. And so is that what it was? I mean, is that uh, is that what it was? Was it jail? Was it that? I was. I mean, because rock bottom is a state of mind, not a place. Yeah. No, and he's so still no, I had a ways to go. Yeah, he had okay. about a week after that to go. So a week of what? Like help us. Like understand. I went back to Greenfield. Hitchhiked. Hitchhiked <laughs> to Greenfield, and uh, I was actually sleeping in a barn that I had, and uh, I don't know. One uh, early one morning, I called Brandon and like two in the morning. Wasn't yeah. It? Told him I'm done and went back to the psychiatric deal. So if and then if, from there I went to to in order to leave there I agreed to go to, to freeway and uh, that's when it got good. Well, not a, at first. <laughs> no. but it got so, good. <laughs> so when you learn your when when you learn your lessons the hard way, you never forget them. Right. And so. Uh, yeah, I would like to keep somebody from having to go through that, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
And so it, it if she would have came back at any time, you wouldn't have followed through. No. No. So that's why it's important for everyone listening to know that, you know, there's that worldly sorrow and that godly sorrow. Yes, yeah. and I was praying just that passage, yeah. just that passage for him. And I think it's Second Corinthians chapter seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. It says it says worldly sorrow uh, work is death works death, and uh, um, godly sorrow works <laughs> repentance and uh, not to be regretted. And so you were sorry, yeah, that your mm-hmm. wife wasn't home. Right. You were sorry that you couldn't get your money. Right. You were sorry that everybody knew. Sorry yeah. with emotion. Right. But you weren't. It was worldly sorrow. You weren't godly. You weren't sorrow in a godly manner to where you said, you know what? I'm repenting. I'm changing. I'll do yeah. whatever it takes. Yeah. And so, so here you are. You're on your way up there with Rick Lechner in Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. And uh, and so, your preacher came and got you, right? Uh, yeah. Well, he he took me to Kansas City, and then Rick to Madison, Kansas City, and took us. So you get took to me. Omaha. And yeah. you're in a new world now. You're you're a Greenfield Brad yeah. in a in a in an inner city yeah. Omaha, Nebraska, right. North Omaha yeah. culture. Cold. 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 You, yeah. you didn't hitchhike for the first time in your life. Yeah. You you woke up in a barn. I mean you're God is just like left, right, left. I mean yeah. he's he's taking you to the woodshed. So And you told me not to send him with any money or any phone. So he did he went with, out of phone. I'm sure you appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Brad had a picture of me blowing up on the bunk, and he was throwing darts at my face every day. Uh, And so you can't even get a cup of coffee. Right. And here you are in Omaha, Nebraska. So just tell us briefly about that. Um, I think it was on day two, I got caught with a bottle of vodka in the room and got police come and got me and took me to a homeless shelter. So it got rough then. And then... uh, it was, like I say, it's cold. I thought I was going to freeze to death, you know. And uh, Rick come back. I think he called Brandon. They worked something out, and I got to go back. And I, I mean, I, I fought it for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't fit in. A lot of pride too, right? Yeah. You were better than them. Different. Well, from no, them. I just, yeah, I was different. Yeah, and so. This kind of before we talk through. So this is this is almost like the BC stuff, mm-hmm. right? right? And so before Christ, before conversion, before yeah. uh, all that, <clears throat> let's uh, let's talk about a couple things. One, what was going through your mind when I visited you in that ninety-six hour hold? Uh, I felt pretty hopeless, you know, because there's no way out of there. I mean. I didn't know what was going to happen. I knew I'd lost everything, and I don't know. I was uh, probably in withdrawal, too, so it was a rough time. From alcohol and meth, because what I didn't also know was that he had been using alcohol to try to get some sleep. Yeah. A giant rate. Oh, yeah. So do you think that there's people today, uh, married couples, you know, people in society that 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 look like they're school board people, uh, people who are professional people, who go to church and they got everything looking good on the outside, but but the, but they're but they're hiding something, mm-hmm. and maybe just maybe even a, even a couple, uh, just like you guys, to where one is is somehow gotten caught up in addiction in that lifestyle, and the other one is 
covering for them and they're 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 functioning like everything's fine but at home it's not that way mm-hmm. how 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 uh how common do you think that is well, when we first moved up here and this had all just happened i moved up here he was in omaha but um up here to springfield to springfield, from springfield. yes okay yes. From, to the city from the country right which i didn't like but um, I used to look around church and thinking, I just wonder how many of these people are living the life that I was living. Because I can promise you it's happening. It may not be methamphetamine, but it's it could be pills or pornography or a lot of addictions. Yeah. And their wives are covering for them. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'd say it's more common than you think. Okay. So, um, so talk. let's talk about... You know, you get put in a inner city Omaha, Nebraska homeless shelter, escorted by you know Omaha's finest. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Rick Colton, the big dogs on that one. Yeah, and so I'm gonna make a statement. Yeah, so you go to jail or you go to the homeless shelter. They drop yeah. you off, and now you're you're able to come back. Yeah. So let's what people don't we haven't really said on here is that you were lost. You're right. You did not right. know Jesus. Absolutely, a deacon. Yeah. They didn't yeah, know the yeah, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably taught Bible studies. I, yeah, I mean. Not I, regularly, but you had. No, but yeah, I, I knew the lingo. And, I mean, and, you know, involved in athletics, coaching kids, helping kids yeah, in football yeah, and sports. Rep, yeah. A Christian, church member, mm-hmm. board, school went board. Camps. Went to camps. Lost. And so what brought you to the place, Brad? Just tell us that little journey there from the. From that homeless shelter, relapsing on alcohol, coming back to the Omaha freeway, and and then how how God used that to bring you to that place where you got okay. saved. Well, first I want to say <clears throat> I'm happy everything that happened because it brought me to there. You know, I have no ill feeling towards anybody. I mean, it was rough, but you were mad best, at us then. It was <laughs> the best thing that ever happened to me, really. I mean, tell you the truth, because I've been happier. You know, the last six years, and I've been in my whole life. Uh, a guy named, uh, who discipled me? Michael Lackaby. He was discipling me in Freeway, you know. And, uh, I mean, they, they were all wanting rid of me. I mean, I was, I didn't try to get along. He's a troublemaker. <laughs> you know me, I'm not, I'm not easy to get along with. But anyway, uh, we were in the office, and I think I was about, I mean, I was probably doing something. I mean, I was in trouble all the time. And Michael Ackaby, he said, man, you need to get saved, you know. And I know, it just kind of hit me, and he went through the Bible with me and stuff, and I surrendered. And Amen. I'm a new guy, really. That's true. I mean, from then on. You didn't make it up in Omaha. No. How but, long did you last? Well, Yeah, he was, th- three, was close three, to three months. Three months. Yeah. So I didn't, and I, I kind of regret that. But in a way, things were happening here, really you know, needed and she needed me. Yeah, I really did. So let's talk about, so now you're a Christian. Yes. And uh, is your, is, do you still have your farm at this time, or is it gone by now? It's gone. Okay. So your farm's gone. Yep. Your cattle's gone. Yep. Your equipment's gone. Everything's gone. Right. All the worldly things that you kind right. of cherished in your hometown, mm-hmm. gone. And so you are leaving Omaha, Nebraska, coming back to a world you don't know. Right. What was that like? It was different. Yeah, it was very different. 
And even, you know, us rejoining was kind of different too, you know. But she could, t- I mean, Is everybody it? was cautious, you know, yes. because well, you, you, am, I, am I playing them again, right. you know? That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell people forgiveness deals with the past and trust yeah. deals with the future. Yeah. And so you have to earn that trust. Right. Once you damage it. Yeah. And then when you sin against or offend someone, the person who's been offended gets to set the grounds for restoration. Right. And so we, I teach that to people. We counsel people that way. So if, if, if Kim sinned against me, then, then I get to set the grounds to be restored in that relationship, not her. Mm-hmm. And so you've got people who are careful. And I've seen you around your grandkids. I know you love them with all yeah, your heart. Yeah. You're a good grandpa. Yeah. And, uh, and so I know that that was a big deal. Yeah. That was, was like that was a, a thing. Deal, right. Yeah. So you're coming back and, and you got saved Brad mm-hmm. who, <clears throat> who really has, uh, he got kicked out of the program. So he kind of dropped the ball there. Uh, but he's coming back. Who's this new man? Well, when he sent me a text that day that he was talking to Michael and he said, just pray like you've never prayed because I'm laying it all down. And so I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I prayed, and and before long, he sent me a text. I still have the screenshot and the text saved, and it says, Kim, I'm saved. I'm finally saved. I'm saved, like three times. And um, I was happy, but as he said, I was very skeptical. I just thought, well, it's another manipulation or something like that. And um, so when he ended up, when he did come back, I, I asked him to come back. I didn't want him to leave the program, but I had to have help. We were getting everything ready to sell at home, and I, I just couldn't do it all by myself. And so he came back, and um, I was very nervous. This is a, you know, this is so weird. Everything's weird. And um, but the first thing that I noticed was um, after maybe a month or so, I began to realize, wow, he hasn't been mad at me once, not once. And so. You know, after another month, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push it a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, I do, some, I do some, I push some of the old buttons, you know, and I mean, he gets irritated because we all do. He has never gotten full-blown mad at me again, not ever. And he was mad a lot. He was mad a lot. Um, I walked on eggshells a lot. Um, I uh, didn't want to make him mad, you know, I'm just, I, I like to avoid conflict at all costs, um, you know, and also very controlling um, he does not control me at all. I go where I want. I do what I want. I don't have to um, worry that I'm getting home five minutes past the time and I'm going to be in trouble. It's it's over. That's over. And That's I awesome. I'm still not. I still told him the other day. I was like, I just sometimes I can't believe that we don't fight. When, we literally don't fight. When uh, when how long has it been since he came back? Six years. Okay. So. So you guys have a have a happy life now. We do. And uh, you serve in the church. Mm-hmm. I I just uh, I want to share a story of God's sovereignty with everyone, and because uh, so through the process of this whole thing, and for people who don't understand what sovereignty is, uh, I like to I like to say God is the governor of the universe. Mm-hmm. So he's he's the overseer of everything, right? Uh, he's never made a mistake. He's never been in a hurry. He's never been late. He's perfect in timing. He's never been surprised. He's never learned anything. There's nothing he doesn't know. There's nothing out of his control. That's my God, right? Amen. <clears throat> and so he is a. That's what makes him sovereign. 
Uh, he has planned everything. He's involved in everything. And so through God's sovereign hand, what I didn't know is God was giving me a buddy. And, uh, uh, and so through the process of time, I still have Brad's old cell phone number. And uh, I have his new one. And it says, I think, two, 2017 yeah. on it. And uh, Brad Taylor, 2017. And so uh, my family, uh, we... Through the process of time, uh, we I just was led to move my family a little bit outside of the city, and I wanted a little farm. And it's just dumb for me because a lot of people know me from the past. I'm a city guy. I don't know anything about farming. I don't know anything about cattle uh, at the time. And I wanted to do some cattle. <clears throat> and we prayed and uh, tried to find a house, this and that. Will God give us the place set up for cattle? And so... Uh, from this was last year, year and a half ago. Well, from 2017 to a year and a half ago, me and Brad have come. We're really good buddies, and uh, and Brad's Brad and Kim's son, Brandon, is on our board. He's a board member for Freeway now, and Brad and Kim are heavily involved in our lives, uh, my life, my family's life, um, and so we get cattle. And guess who teaches me about cattle? Brad Taylor. Um, and he's taught me everything I know, and he's taught me, uh, he's taught me, he's taught me, he's taught me everything he says that won't happen, Will, uh, and we about died several times working cattle, uh, but as far as our relationship goes, what God did was, uh, he gave me somebody to mentor me in a way, to help me learn some things, you know, about farming and, uh, cattle, and so through that process, my little girl uh, calls you Gigi mm-hmm. and Brad, Brad, Brad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we have a really good friendship now. And so through all this, who would have ever thought? Right. I wouldn't have. I mean, Brad said, I want to help you. I'm like, yeah, you're trying to set me up to kill me for revenge because <laughs> I have trust issues. And so I'm like, what's he trying to do here? Is he trying to get a seat? Like, this is a seven-year, six-year plot to kill me, you know? <laughs> uh, but it's not. No. You know, it's just it's just uh, God doing his thing. And, and also, Brad loves cattle. He loves to work cattle, and yeah. that was taken away from him. And so this is also a restoration, yeah. just him being able to be out there. And, and he says, Kim, I love this. He does. He loves it. So this is how much I believe people can change. Brad has the the uh, the code to get in my house. He has the code for my security system. He knows where the keys are to my vehicles, and total access and freedom to come onto my property anytime he wants. And I don't have a problem with that. And so, uh, you guys watch our kids. You, my my little girl hangs out at your house. Mm-hmm. I I don't leave her barely. The most valuable asset I have is my mm-hmm. children, and uh, and I don't put them very many places and so god he just did something there didn't yes, he, he did. and through that phone call yeah for you calling that phone you wanted to kill me <laughs> you know and and now look mm-hmm. look what god did and so kim would what would you say to the person who's helping their loved one hide their their addiction well how bad do you want what you've been praying for because um for years, I just kept praying, God, just make him stop taking drugs. 
make him stop taking drugs. Please, God, make him stop taking drugs. But then my prayers began to change to repentance. And whether that was repentance to salvation at the time, I, I believed him when he said he was saved. But I began to pray for his repentance and, and like you said, the God, godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And so, you know, if you're enabling them, that means if you're hiding and covering for them, if you're um, stupid like me thinking, you know, you can just love him or her out of it, can pray them out of it, it's not going to happen. If it could happen, it would have happened for me. Yeah. You can't change people. It's got to no. be God change them, you know. And, and the other thing is to put your hope in Christ instead of putting your hope in your spouse. Yeah. And and Brad, uh, one of the things that we, we realize is that when you hide someone's sin, you're a part of it. Yeah. You become a part of that person's sin. Now you're connected to it. Now you're mm-hmm. hiding it. Now you're... You know, it's Bible says he who covers sin is not wise. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so what message, Brad, do you have for the for the couple who's been who's been hiding this thing because of embarrassment, maybe the spouse who doesn't want to embarrass or humiliate their loved one because right. they don't want people to find out and shame them? What would you say to that person? Well, if you love them, you need to bring it to light, you know, because that's the only way it's going to change. I would still be there if it wasn't for this, you know. If you were even still alive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if I was alive. Uh, yeah, do the right thing and, you know, don't hide it for them. You're adding to it. I'm so thankful that Kim did that, you know. Yeah. I appreciate it. I love her, and she saved my life. Amen. It's God beautiful. Did. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? God did that. And you wouldn't have thought you wouldn't you didn't say I love her. She saved my life. Whenever <laughs> you was high and dry, oh, and everybody nah. burned down yeah. on you know. Nope. Yeah. But look what God did. Uh, so tell us about your relationships uh, with your family now. I mean, oh, it's great. Yeah. I mean, we get along great. Yeah, God is restoring so yeah. many things, even more than we thought. Yeah. Even better. Than yeah, it thought. is really. What what is what are you guys? Uh, what's your hope? What do you hope comes from this podcast? Well, I hope that if there's someone out there that's in the same situation, you know, you really, I don't know, you don't have to go through what I did. I mean, get it right now and save the suffering because it is suffering. The Just, way the transgressor is hard. Yes. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Proverbs 13, 15. Yeah. The way the transgressor is hard. All that stuff that you were really putting your hope in and you've you know you the, the trucks and the barn and oh, the yeah. cattle mm-hmm. and the farm and my value system's completely different yes. yeah for sure both yeah. of ours yeah and you guys have joy you have peace your relationship Absolutely. is strong uh so what's life like now for you guys um as a couple um what what's life like compared to then what is it like right now lots of peace yeah totally different i i'm very content and happy yeah I wouldn't trade back no, for I anything. Yeah. 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 And I mean, we, I struggled so much with leaving our home because we had lived there. I raised our, we raised our kids there. We lived in that house for 27 years and uh, I didn't want to give it up, you know. Um, but that day that I walked out, I kind of knew things were never going to be the same again. And they're, they're not, they're better. I wouldn't trade it because I would have woke up in heaven one day and been like, where's Brad? Yeah. Where's Brad? And um, even though it cost us a lot, it cost a lot. It was 
so worth it. And so don't be afraid, you know, to that wife that's out there thinking I'm, we're going to lose everything. Well, you might, but the Lord can restore so much more. His ways are so much better than our ways. Amen. That's good. Uh, what challenges do you face today from this situation? Like looking back and where you are now, like as you look back at that, what are your challenges today? I don't think there are any. Really. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't like to go back to Greenfield. Oh, I mean, yeah, it yeah. brings back. Yeah, that's true. Stuff. Sure. Um, yeah. Some. I mean, some. There is some. I guess I, that's the same for me. I mean, yeah. there is still maybe some pride left in there or something that um, you don't know what people are thinking about you. I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go there this weekend, and so I've already considered that. Some embarrassment, some sure. pride. Shame. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want you to know everybody's messed up in their own special way. Yeah. And regardless, if you've never been addicted to alcohol or drugs or pornography, mm-hmm. you've been addicted to yourself. Sure. And my pride. Self-aholic. Yeah. And so addiction is the ultimate form of selfishness. Mm-hmm. So if you know how to be selfish, then you know you know what an, an addict feels like. And so we all struggle with something. Mm-hmm. And so I'm proud of you guys. Thank you. I love you both. Mm-hmm. I'm you so too. glad you came on here. And, uh, well, I appreciate you, and I appreciate what you're doing. Yes. Well, well eternally God, uh, grateful. Yes. Eternally grateful. God's a good God, isn't he? Yes, he is. Okay. Yes, we, he is. we get to do this, and and I don't know why I get to. I'm not going to complain about it, but I'm very thankful. I know I don't deserve it either. Mm-hmm. So uh, thank you guys for joining us. Hey, if, you, if you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, would you like, subscribe? Um, would you share this to your to your friends on whatever platform you listen to, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on your podcast platform. And uh, if you would like to help us as we continue to reach one broken life at a time, this is a production of Freeway Ministries. You can go to freeway-ministries.com and you can uh, become a monthly supporter or a one-time giver, and you can help us as we reach one broken life at a time. Brad, Kim, thank you guys. Thank Thank you. you. Appreciate it. You guys have a good good rest of the week, and we'll, we'll see you soon.